hello there. Welcome back to Causey's Conversations. I'm your host, Jared Causey. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. I'm glad you're here. Um, just a reminder, uh, if you are interested in um, you know, specifically looking or interested in, in listening to any episodes that are related to progressive Christianity, um, I've released several episodes about that. Um, should a Christian celebrate Pride Month, for example, I released one about that a few weeks ago. Um, another one, or actually a few I did specifically on the top of progressive Christianity um, with Clayton Carver. Go go ahead and listen to those if you would like to. Um, a lot of these discussions are related, um, so sometimes I the things I say are kind of based on things I've previously said, so it, it helps in context. But anyway, um, on this episode, um, we're going to be talking about race, and I, um, or racism, I should say. Um, I have a good friend of mine uh, that is here to join me to discuss this really intense topic. Um, it's Chad Morgan. Uh, Chad, thank you for joining me today. I'm so glad to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on. Yeah, your your ministry and your um, platform should explode now since you're on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I just won't even be able to come here anymore because my head's going to be too big to fit in the door after this. So <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, we're we're going to be talking about race racism today. Um, it's a, obviously a topic that's very relevant mm-hmm. into today's society um, in a lot of discussions in in SBC. Uh, but before we talk about that, um, Chad, why don't you go ahead and um, Tell listeners who you are, a little about yourself, and um, just go from there. Yeah. So I grew up in East Texas, a small church in East Texas is where I was baptized originally, uh, just a uh, small town just north of Beaumont. And uh, grew up there until I was 18, went off to college, went to Texas A&M for a short amount of time before they kicked me out. And uh, I apparently did way too much partying and a frat at that time. And, and just so you know, I was not a Christian at that time. So uh, that's part of my testimony that I won't get into today. But I uh, went off to the military, was served in the United States Coast Guard up in Portland, Maine, New York City area for four years. And it was in, shortly after that when I came home and the Lord convicted me of my sin brought me to repentance and essentially told me that I was going to serve him for the rest of my life. And I had no idea what that looked like, but here I am in seminary about to graduate. I've been a pastor in in some some churches, uh, one in um, New Jersey, uh, where I was an assistant pastor there, helped develop a college ministry and and youth ministry, was also a uh, assistant or excuse me, an associate pastor of family ministries in Livingston, Texas at a small Baptist church there. And then have done some church revitalization where Jared and I actually worked uh, together. He was actually part of the church there, so that's how I got to know him. And uh, I'm thankful for that friendship that I have with him. I have a wonderful wife who I've been married to six years uh, on July 5th. And I have two beautiful boys and another one on the way uh, that's eager to very get mu- here. Yeah, very yeah, much on the way. to get here. He almost came today, and he's about eight weeks early. So we... Uh, He's very eager to get here, but we're excited to see him and what the Lord's going to do in their life. And uh, we are currently looking for uh, a ministry position uh, somewhere away from Texas because we want cold uh, instead of warm. Uh, it's too hot here. But uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much about me. Yeah, so we, we met, um, for those that are interested, we, we met at a, I think it was a church fair. Was it was the church fair here at Southwestern? It was, you were, yep. mm-hmm. you were helping out at Redeemer. Yep. 
um, doing that, and uh, we met, and then I, I was in your care group yes, uh, I was for a little bit. Yes, your care for a little bit, yep. And uh, we just became friends through that. Um, you, you, me and Amy and Emily, we just connected really well and stuff, so we decided to, to you know, um, help you guys out and or serve with you guys, I should say, at uh, uh, Terrace Acres, and we did that for a little bit, and that was a fun time, definitely a growing period. It was a growing time for all of us, yes. <laughs> but um, I really enjoyed doing that, uh, get to sit under your preaching for a while, that was really cool, um, get to do that, um, but yeah, we're... we're um, we're here today to talk about racism, and I know this is a, a very controversial topic that uh, many Christians do not want to touch. Mm. Uh, some don't want to touch it, but they have to because the culture is demanding it. Yes. And I do think, hey, I do think Christians should respond to this conversation. They shouldn't be silent. I'm mm. Now, I'm not saying silence is, is complicity or anything like that. I'm not saying that yeah. if you don't say anything, you're automatically a racist or anything like that. I'm just simply saying that that pastors especially should respond and lead their congregation responding to this nationwide discussion because it's not going away. These conversations are going to continue to happen, and so we need to learn how to respond to that. But but anyway, we're, we're here today to talk about racism, so let's let's start with the definition of racism. How do we define racism from a biblical perspective? I'm going to let you go ahead and answer that. Yeah, so I would define, so first off, we need to understand, and Bodie Bauckham came out with a sermon on ethnic Gnosticism. And in there, he, he clearly defined that race was a social construct. If, as a matter of fact, if you look back through scripture, race is never identified as a distinguishing mark among any of them, uh, from Old Testament to New. Matter of fact, um, primarily what separated it was cultural, so Jewish or Gentile or Canaanite or so on and so forth. So, and amongst them, there might have been white, brown-skinned, black-skinned people. So, right. we, we we know that race is a social construct. It's a, it's a newer term. It's something new that we're dealing with. So, um, when I talk about James chapter two uh, and, and partiality, we're, we're talking about a a leaning of one group or a preference of one group. Um, are privileges of one group over privileges or uh, rights of another group. And uh, it has been somewhat defined as, um, you know, uh, I guess racism from a biblical perspective has kind of been defined as this um, um, us and you and uh, our race against your race and once again i don't think that that's that's not what the bible is talking about here but we need we partiality can divide us on many different issues it just happens to be dividing us this time on the the subject of race yeah so james 2 um it says my brothers show no partiality as you hold the faith in our lord jesus christ the lord of glory for if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has, God not, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme, blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? 
So it goes on to talk about loving your brother as yourself and different different other issues. But the point of, of like bringing that passage up obviously is to show like this is obviously not like racism is not in this passage right. explicitly. Right. But we can kind of we can infer that by seeing that when someone is racist, when they are are, are racist in their heart and in their actions, mm-hmm. they are they are essentially preferring their own skin color absolutely over yes. or a particular skin color um, yeah. over another one based entirely on mm-hmm. on that characteristic no other characteristic right. now for example you might have someone that prefers one person mm-hmm. say they're black mm-hmm. or, or say someone's white and mm-hmm. they prefer a white person over a black person mm-hmm. but it's not because of the skin color difference it's because of they just like them better or something right. like for it's another reason it can still be sinful yeah. but that's not racist right that's not showing partiality based on race so mm-hmm. i guess we can say that racism is essentially showing partiality based specifically on the differences of the social construct of race yeah. right and you know and I, and I find it very interesting uh, you know james puts this in here and it's as I was studying, it, it, it's a it's a stark reminder that this the sin of partiality is not something that uh, that we overcome in the church. We we tend to still do this. We oh, right, we, we, right. we prefer this music over this music, or this person uh, is preaching over this person's preaching. We always have to check our motives. Um, just like you gave the example of a white person choosing a white person, or if a black person was to choose a black person. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's racist. That doesn't necessarily mean that it even falls under the sin of partiality. It could. We need, I think this is a great reminder for us to always check our hearts to make sure that what we're doing is not falling into James's warning here of partiality. Right. And we're definitely always um, susceptible to, to falling into the sin of partiality. We, m- Maybe many of us do this every day. Um, but the point is, you know, when it comes to racism from a biblical perspective, when we talk about like situations that happen in our world today, you know, for example, the George Floyd situation. Mm-hmm. You know, George Floyd was unjustly killed. Mm-hmm. I've um, I did a podcast episode on the murder of George Floyd yeah. a few weeks, several weeks ago, and you know, clearly, I I stated that that he was killed unjustly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the officers, had, the officer specifically, had no right to do what he did. Right. He was acting outside the law. Every cop that I've talked to or heard from has echoed mm-hmm. that uh, sentiment and statement. And so, with that case, though, you know, do we see any um, any evidence of racism? I would say, first off, we have to understand that racism is a specifically is a specific sin that begins in the heart it's mm-hmm. a it, it's an intent yeah. so therefore when we speak about racism we can understand that it manifests itself in society in certain ways yeah. but at the same time we have to be we have to understand and be clear that it, it starts in the heart and mm-hmm. is a specifically um intentional uh, that's right it, it's, a, it's something that is an intent it's by intent. It's it's by intent. It's it's a violation. So you know, not to not to jump uh, to another verse here, but it's a violation of First John chapter. Let's see what First John chapter two verses nine through eleven, where it talks about John is clearly saying that if you hate your brother, the love of Christ is not in you. So 
yes, it, it's a heart issue. If you hate your brother, whether they are black or white or Hispanic or Asian or wearing a, a police uniform or a firefighter uniform or a uh, soldier uniform, it doesn't really matter. If they're waving the American flag versus the Spanish flag, it doesn't really matter. If you have hate in your, or hate in your heart towards your brother, once again, that's a heart issue. And it, it really is evidence that the, the work of the Lord is not really working in your heart. So I think you and I and every evangelical leader who is gospel-centered will be able to look at the, the, the things that are going on and say, yes, there may be racism. Mm-hmm. And, and we're not denying that. There may be systemic racism occurring in some institutions. Um, but it all comes down to a particular issue, and that's, that's sin in the heart. It's sin in the heart, and that's what the evangelical church needs to be addressing. Not, we're, we're not necessarily qualified to to speak to, um, you know, the police reform or defunding the police or all these other things. We, as the evangelical church, need to focus on sin and the gospel message. Well, I do think that you know there are, you know, we we can we can understand and know and and speak out when we see injustices mm-hmm. in our country and, and systems, we can, we can do that. Say, for example, we're a Christian in, during the uh, era of, of Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can say, hey, we know this is a sin. We see that. We don't have to necessarily, you know, um, be a certain, uh, have a particular position or whatever. We can mm-hmm. just speak out of that based on of what, of what Scripture says and comparing right. what we see. But, but you're right in the sense that we, we do have to remember that, racism begins in the heart we have to address that that Mm -hmm. if even if we do like take care of you know quote-unquote systemic racism Mm -hmm. in society there racism is still going to exist to some extent um and and another thing is though i I want to be be clear here i i personally i'm gonna lay my cards out I've, i've said this before i personally do not see any evidence of systemic racism existing today I do believe that it's possible, like you, like you said, but I don't think it actually exists today. I have no evidence of that. And, and I would actually, later on in this podcast, like to show evidence uh, for systemic racism, but not in the way that you think. No. So. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there later, I guess. But yeah, no, um, so, but but when we, when we talk about racism, we, we need to understand that, yes, racism still exists today. Mm-hmm. We, we believe that. Any Christian worth their salt will admit that racism exists. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've never heard a Christian actually say that it doesn't exist right. today. I've heard every Christian I've talked, I mean, mm-hmm. especially the major voices on these issues, on yeah. on the social justice warrior side, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote, I, some of them don't like to be called that, but let's just, okay, they're, they're advocating for that position. Um, and then there's the other side that mm-hmm. kind of the like founder side or John MacArthur, yeah. or this, uh, guys like that, yeah. that, that are saying, you know, they do believe racism exists. I've never heard any of them say it doesn't. You can't read the scriptures and then look at, I mean, growing up in East Texas and you growing up in West, Western Louisiana, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw racism. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I know people um, yeah. that are racist and I, that went to church on Sundays. Like, I know that there's racism that exists in, right, in our no, societies. I, yeah. So I, I don't think you can be a Christian, read the scriptures, and look at those guys or women and say, yeah, racism doesn't exist. No, right. they're, they're, they're in clear contradiction to the scriptures. They are hating right. on their brother and sister based off their color of their skin, right. and, and, and that's just... Right. Yeah. The question is, when we, when we 
we take this conversation and look into the world and evaluate what's going on based on these assumptions, if we say that this is racism, the definition mm-hmm. we just yes. we just uh, clarified, if we say that is the definition of racism, then any any um, assumption or any I guess. Uh, statement mm. or claim made that says that only white people can be racist, we would have to reject that. Yes, we, we would most certainly have to reject that. I mean, and we see this more and more happening in uh, SBC churches. Uh, matter of fact, my own church here recently posted a prayer guide, and I'm not saying any names of churches, but they posted a prayer guide where uh, I, as a white person, was to lament over my blindness to black injustice. Well, um, if I have done that, and I, I definitely want to repent, but I also want to see that, I mean, inherently the statement was racist because it's, it's, it's telling me that as a white person, I am incapable of seeing injustices first. And then two, it does not recognize that there is also injustices and racism that occurs on the opposite side against whites or against Hispanics or against Asian. It, the, the church is really directing this in one direction, which is white is racist and, um, and, and the, the ones who are receiving this racist thought or racist uh, attitudes are black. And if you know anything about critical race theory, you know good and well that that has got to be tied into this, this view of oppressor and oppressed. And uh, I mean, any church, and I've had several uh, tell me, oh, well, we don't believe in the critical race theory, but by their own definitions of racism, by the way they're acting, uh, it's clear that they're following the model of oppressor and yeah. oppressed. Yeah. So critical um, race theory comes from the broader umbrella of the, the study of critical theory. It's um, w- uh, women like uh, men and women like, uh, for example, uh, Crenshaw. Um, she's one person that, for example, has, has popularized some of these terms. Mm-hmm. Um and she's written a lot on these things. Uh, Robin D'Angelo's book, White Fragility, is a popular book going around right now. Uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist is going around right now. Um, that's another one. Mm-hmm. These are all reflections or kind of a, books that are based on critical race theory. But there's a broader uh, um, you know, worldview called critical theory that's based on kind of a, a Marxist view of society. Now, Marx, Karl Marx, his, and I'm not going to, this is not a political podcast, yeah. but this this is definitely related to politics in a way, and that's fine. But you know, Karl Marx was a was very much um, focused on categorizing people into mm-hmm. groups based on oppressed oppressors. Yes. Um, in the sense of the economic sense. Right. Yeah. That not would be the, classical, um, classical yeah. Marxism. Yes. Yeah. And so that critical race theory is, or critical theory is not necessarily. Marxism. So when someone says, you know, kind of um, uh, claims some things that are related to critical race theory or whatever, Mm -hmm. I I don't call them a Marxist because I don't think that term is helpful because it doesn't really, that's not, they're not really Marxist per se, but Mm -hmm. they have definitely some ties into it. It definitely comes from it to an extent. I I think where they're getting is the ideology of separating uh, oppressor and oppressed, but based off of uh, queer theology, based off of race, placed off of, you know, it's a a broad cultural. And that's a, that's critical theory. So, Critical theory takes some of the ideas of Marx and blends it in with some other ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes specifically from the Frankfurt School of, of um, 
the Frankfurt School um, in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, they they kind of popularize and, and clarify these statements that basically um, basically uh, clarified people into or categorize people into these groups of mm-hmm. oppressed oppressors, yeah. like you said. Yeah. And it was more in a cultural sense. Yes. It wasn't necessarily a um, it wasn't necessarily just a economic sense, even though that was related. Yeah, I mean, but, it, it's male, female, it's uh, Christian and non-Christian, yeah, it's, it's right. black, white, it's, it's all the way across. Right. The, the whole point of critical race is to identify the, the main oppressor of the which oppressed, is white. which is a white Christian male. Yeah, and, and so Straight critical male. race theory would say, specifically, you know, um, white people are the oppressors, mm-hmm. However, there are those that are oppressing others based on their skin mm-hmm. color, and yep. those would fall under um, like Jews or would mm-hmm. are are not as much of a pr- oppressors as yeah. the whites, but mm-hmm. they kind of are in, yep. a, in a sense. They they are close. Asians are yes. up there too, yeah. but black people, Hispanics, um, yeah. Native Americans, they're all very much oppressed. Yeah. yeah. And so you don't any situation. So, so the theory. Okay. Says, yeah. And yeah. that's the theory. Yeah. But. And so, any situation you view, you view these these people mm-hmm. in terms of their group identity. So, for example, when we talk about mm-hmm. this white cop that mm-hmm. murdered George Floyd, we're not looking at the cop as a white individual making a decision. Mm-hmm. We're viewing, and this is within critical race theory, mm-hmm. we're viewing this man as representing white cops. Right. And then we're viewing the black man, George Floyd, as who was unjust as community. he's the and so. The problem with that is obviously that we, and, and I mean, Scripture is clear. There is an element of, of corporate, you know, being a part of a group. Like that, that, that's not. I'm not saying that any group identity is invalid. It's the fact of you're viewing all situations and scenarios in this lens of groups rather right. than individuals that are just making decisions that's that right. can be good or bad. Right. Yeah, I mean, the way that a Christian should have viewed the George Floyd issue was that this was a cop who overstepped his bounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he definitely, having had military and police training, I know for a fact, he definitely did not follow the rule book. Right. And, you know, you touched on that on another podcast. That's how I should have viewed him. I should have viewed him as a man who went above and beyond what he should have done with the rule book, and he should be held accountable for that. However, society viewed this and automatically said white cop, systemic racism against the black, and hence that's why we are where we are today. The church should not follow that model. We as the church should not follow that and see the world through that particular lens. That's just, that's not biblical justice. That's not it, critical race theory. And when it was debated back in SBC in 2019, uh, well, not debated because there wasn't enough time, but when it was introduced into the SBC, this was the main issue, is that when you start to view the world, when churches start to view the world through this through this theory, this secular theory, we're going to start dividing ourselves uh, amongst certain lines. And that's exactly what's happening. And for those that don't know, the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, came out with uh, a resolution in 2019, the summer of 2019 in June, uh, basically stating that critical race theory, and there's a lot in this resolution, but one of the main things people have an issue with is that uh, critical race theory is apparently a analytical tool that mm-hmm. can be used, um, however not as a worldview consistent with biblical Christianity. While I do agree that it is not consistent, like they do, yeah. They, yeah. can it be used 
um, as an analytical tool um, to, to help us obviously analyze the world, I would say no. Mm-hmm. I think it's incorrect yes. in how it views yes. the world in a general way. But um, are there things about critical race theory that are true? Yes, I would say I would agree with that. Uh, Neil Shinvey, mm-hmm. uh, in some of his um, um, writings on this, him and Pat um, Pat uh, Stoyer, I forgot his, uh, his last name, but Pat, there's Pat and uh, Neil Shinvey. They've written a lot on this, and they they talk about the benefits of critical race theory, like the the things that are right about it. And that's true. I mean, yeah. there, there are, I mean, for example, Islam, we would say there are things that Islam teaches right. that yeah. we agree with, yeah. but we would reject Islam right. as a legitimate uh, right. religion. But um, anyway, so going, but going back to, to kind of what, you know, we're kind of on a rabbit trail, but that's okay. That's what this podcast is for. Um, but going back to what we stated, you know, we were talking about, can a, a, a black person be racist? Well, in the critical race theory viewpoint, mm-hmm. no, he cannot uh-huh. because he is um, a member of the oppressed group. Right. And therefore, he cannot possibly oppress mm-hmm. a white person. So when you hear people say that a, a, the, the definition of racism is mm-hmm. um, the system of, of oppression mm-hmm. based on race. Right. That's what they're. That's what they're saying. And so, well, yeah. And, and and so, you know, this kind of brings me to a, a personal story that I have in regards to me growing up in East Texas. So I grew up, like I said, in a, in a small town just north of Beaumont, and uh, the town uh, was. Uh, let's just be honest. It was segregated. It had been segregated from years before. There was a lot of racist tension, but the town was predominantly black. Uh, the school district was predominantly black. Most of the students who attended were predominantly black students. Uh, this one particular instance, uh, I was in a class, uh, history class, my sophomore year of high school. I think it was sophomore or junior year. And um, I was one of only three white people in a class of about 15 to 20 other students with a black teacher. And this black student sat on my desk, uh, began to talk to some of her friends, and uh, she called me some uh, racial names, which, you know... Uh, probably not appropriate for this podcast and then she uh proceeded to um as i got up to ask her ask her to get off my desk and as i was getting up to go tell the teacher she proceeded to spit in my face and so uh the teacher clearly saw this this black teacher clearly saw this the the girl is raising a whole bunch of uh ruckus at this point and i was told that if i got up to go to the principal's office to address this because the teacher was not uh, that i would be sent to detention and I did walk out. I did get sentenced to detention, and the young lady had nothing done to her. Now, in that particular instance, um, I, according to critical race theory, and everyone who's going around on the internet right now, my particular, um, my particular encounter or experience is not valid because I am a white person. Uh, however, as Christians, we can't view it that way. They would say it's not racist. The, they know, would say right. It, they, right. They would it's say, not racist. Would, it's yes. not a racist. Maybe she was. Maybe that was bigotry or prejudice. Okay. But it's not racist. That's yes. what they. I, right. I, that, but, that's right. 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 Exactly. Yeah. But we. I mean, we just read James chapter two, where we are told that we cannot show the sin of partiality, and that's right. exactly what the church is doing. I mean, let me let me just tell you from J. D. Greer, so the president of the SBC. Uh, in uh, a particular taping for his church on June 14th of uh, just so just last month, 
Uh, he was talking. He was uh, there with two other African-American members. Actually, they were on staff, and he's having uh, a conversation, a dialogue with them. And uh, he, he was talking about the killing of unarmed black people, uh, which is, that's fine. That was what's going on. You know, George Floyd had just occurred. Uh, he expressed that brothers and sisters of color were hurting. Uh, however, <clears throat> in this whole entire talk and in previous uh, talks and after that, he failed to mention any of the police officers, both black and white police officers, I might add, that were killed because of Black Lives Matter and or the, the movements that, that came out of the violence that came out of there. So in, even in his statements and his failure to mention uh, this group, the police group, then, and only talk about one particular group, do you, do you agree? I mean, he's showing... And, and, and I, based off of that, he's showing the sin of partiality. And when you talk about the cops being killed, what what cops are you referring to? Uh, so there was the uh, the federal agents that were killed, and I guess it was somewhere in the northwest. I can't remember if it was Oregon. I think it was Portland, if I'm not mistaken. It was Portland or Seattle. Uh, so there was some some police officers killed there. There was one, I believe, in St. Louis. He was a, a black sheriff deputy, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so across the nation, during that outbreak right, of violence, right. we had you know five, six, seven police officers killed. So we have one un- unarmed black man mm-hmm. killed. We have violence. We have the church and uproar. They're coming out in, in defense. But we have seven, seven police officers killed. And their families are grieving, and the church stays completely silent. Yeah. So what? Just to, mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying. I just yeah. want to make sure yeah. listeners understand, um, so we can just be clear. Because um, clarity is very important on this topic mm-hmm. more than ever. Um, so you're essentially saying J.D. Greer, while well-intentioned, yeah. he is wanting to show compassion and empathy towards black brothers and sisters in Christ yes. in the church that are, are grieving over George Floyd, who was murdered. Mm-hmm. And he is wanting... And, and so he is showing empathy towards them in that situation, but he fails to do the same thing when it comes to police shooting. So That's you're saying that there right. is, is un, he's there's, there's showing partiality. Yeah, partiality. Show, showing yeah. partiality. And, and, and you know, I, I, I do. I commend him and every other brother who stands in the pulpit and has tried to um, understand what the black community is going through and, and, you know, grieve with them and weep with them. I, look, that is what we're called to do. And if they are hurting we as brothers and sisters, white, black, Hispanic, or otherwise, we're to carry each other's burdens and we're to weep with them and carry their burdens. The problem is, and, and this is not a new issue, back in 2016, July 7th of 2016, you had five Dallas police officers massacred. So just right up the road from us here where we're doing this podcast. And uh, so I, I, I kind of wanted to... I, Matt Chandler's a whole different thing. So I looked at some of his stuff and, and quite frankly, he addresses it, but not not in a way that, uh, that he addresses the Black Lives Matter movement. So we're not going to necessarily talk about him. But I do want to talk about J.D. because, um, you know, I mean, he's the, he's the SBC president. Yeah, yeah. And so what I found is July 7, 2016, we had the five officers killed. So the very next day, July 8 of 2016, uh, they post on their social media, or excuse me, on their website, about the violence that has occurred across the nation. Now, this is in response, once again, supposedly unarmed black uh, people being killed by cops. Okay, so that's the Dallas. That's the uh, violence that was going on. It was a Black Lives Matter uh, protest that was in downtown Dallas where the ambush occurred. He failed once again, both then or afterwards, to address 
anything regarding the families of the five police officers that were killed. He only addressed, matter of fact, in this article, he says there was a violence in Dallas and five police officers were killed, but we need to be listening to black voices and we need to stop killing unarmed black people. Now you can go read that article by yourself. You can, you can go Google it or find it. It's, it's on, it's on their website. But if J.D. Greer, an evangelical Christian leader, is, is leading his church properly, we should not be doing uh, this thing where we only side with one side, we only weep with one side, we only uh, carry the burdens of one side, but we leave this other side out. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's very true. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly in that. And I want to add to that. Um, we... Should we weep with those that weep? Generally, yes, I agree with the, that principle. However, that doesn't mean we don't ask questions and we don't weep blindly yeah. and just weep without any any type of discernment. So when we're talking about weeping with brothers and sisters that are weeping because of George Floyd, we must ask ourselves, why are we weeping with you first? Yes. I gotta know why I'm weeping with you right. first. Yes, if if you were truly sad and. First off, I want to be gracious and I want to show love to you mm-hmm. and, and listen to you, not be yes. a jerk, obviously. Yeah. But as I'm doing that, I, I want to ask questions and, and find out, okay, why exactly, why are you specifically connected to George Floyd? What are, what are In what sense are you the same? Well, mm-hmm. they would say, because we're both black, mm-hmm. okay? All right, so you're both of the same melanin uh, count. Uh-huh. Okay, you're both you both have black skin. Okay, that's fair. Mm-hmm. How does that connect? How is that a connection that is real mm-hmm. in any sense? And they would probably go back and say, "Well, we are connected through the you know through history of, yeah. of all of the the countless inc- racist and and uh, horrid incidents of." Uh, racism and all those things. And I would agree that, that those things have happened, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily believe that those situations are intrinsically connected to this one. And that's where I, I guess I have a hard time understanding a lot of the voices of the black community. Okay, you're you're saying you're connected to all these other situations just based off of your skin color mm-hmm. when we don't even know for sure if this situation itself is because of racism. Right. In fact, I would say there's more evidence that this is because of um, this guy, this uh, police officer had a, a kind of a, um, he knew him personally, George yeah. Floyd, they knew had, him personally. And, club, and yes. I, I don't, okay, I want to be clear. That might not be true. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that there is some, there are some reports well, of there, that. There's no doubt that they knew each other. They did know right, each other. Right. But and so if there was bad blood there, we don't know. But you know, it does bring up reasonable doubt, which in our legal system is enough for us to question and not fully convict somebody of something. And, and essentially the media and our society and even the church has yeah. convicted uh, this, this white cop of being racist. He's right. racist. Well, right. you, there's, no, you, you, there's a reasonable doubt there. And so you cannot convict him of racism because we don't know the whole story. Yeah. And a matter of fact, speaking, you know, at, at 2015, so under the Obama administration, I, I got to add that because, you know, a lot of people think it's just prejudice under Trump. Yeah, and, well, and look, all this happened only when Trump yeah, became Yeah, that's, that's what everybody wants to play it out. But a, a 2015 Obama administration Justice Department analysis of the Philadelphia Police Department found that white officers were much less likely, and I'm quoting, much less likely than black or Hispanic officers to shoot unarmed black suspects. Yeah. 
Yeah. So how can you mm-hmm. tell me, or how can we take what happened with George Floyd or what's happening across the nation and say, well, it's because they're white and it's against black, and so therefore it's racist, yeah. and then have a church come out and say, because you're white, you need to lament and you need to confess your right. sins. Right. There's, there's all kinds of... Okay, first off, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Okay, maybe we need to have these discussions more mm-hmm. often, but there's a lot of assumptions that yes. are just being given. Like, yeah. for example, the Southern Baptist Convention, and look, I love the SBC. I have some of these men are my heroes mm-hmm. in the faith. That's why this this situation very much um, is hard for me and, and, and is a burden to me because I love these men so mm-hmm. much that they've contributed so much to my faith. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Muller being one of them, he is he's my hero. Yeah. You know, he's like my top five. Like yeah. he's like on my Mount Rushmore, uh-huh. which is also a racist <laughs> thing. <laughs> That's another story. But you know, the, the SBC, including Mueller and, and many other men, godly men that I respect have come out as, as a, as a convention. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like our convention. We pay our, we, we I give tithe money to this convention that mm-hmm. is saying that essentially this is a, an example of racism that is connected back through Jim Crow and all that. And, like, my thing is, like, you're assuming so much here. You're assuming because of this man's skin color, the police officer, mm-hmm. that he, because he is white and because George Floyd is black, that this is a scenario of racism. And I, I have to say, we, as Christians uh-huh. that love truth, uh-huh. we have to be careful right. not to assume. Right. And we have to be careful not to give in to mob judgments and mob mentality just like the covington kids right back um several years ago i I guess it was maybe a year or two ago um the covington kids or catholic school boy uh boy school Mm -hmm. uh went to washington dc for a pro-life event they gathered together Mm -hmm. to wait for their teachers or something like that and essentially um they were you know doing what high school boys do chances i i did this when i was in high school i'm sure you did too being stupid being rowdy and then a a a single, I believe, it was one Indian man, yeah, Native, American, uh, Native American, comes uh, in the in the middle of them. They were there first. Yeah. He comes into the middle of that group mm-hmm. and is beating his drum. Mm-hmm. And the the picture moment, the yeah. Kodak moment, is yeah. this white Covington kid with a MAGA hat, and that's yeah. what really separate. This is what yeah. and 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 there's that picture between yeah. them. And then all of a sudden, people said, "Look at this white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Look at all of this." And you know what? They were completely false. It was completely untrue, yes. and and I, I remember people, solid believers supposedly, yeah. coming out against this. Yes. Um, I mean, J.D. Greer did, yeah. Beth Moore, um, several well, people. And well, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but James tells us to be you know quick to listen and slow to anger, and the church should just, be yeah. the one that's modeling this. And instead, we have SBC leaders, including. Uh, the president that's just right across the road here that rushes to a particular decision and wants to place particular blame on people and take blame upon a particular race, which, quite frankly, he's not qualified or any other person is not qualified to take uh, blame for a whole entire race of people. And, and I want to go back to the fact of, you know, it. am I responsible for what this officer did? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of... 
folks on this side, on this the social justice, the woke side, yeah. would say, yeah. "No, you're not actually. Mm-hmm. You're not responsible, but you, in a sense, need to lament and you need to bear some of the burden yeah. for what he has done." And my my thing is, I I disagree. For one, I have no connection to this man. Mm-hmm. Number one, yeah. number two, my identity is not in my shared skin color with this right. police officer. My identity is found in Christ. Um, well, and alone. Let me, and, and let me ask you that, Jared. So you know, we you see this mentality within the church where it's a it's a corporate confession of um, of sin. But but my sin and your sin, whether where it be you know, racism or pornography or whatever, uh, as believers, we know that our sin was carried to the cross and laid on the back of Christ, and it's been atoned for. And I know that he didn't carry the sins of all white people. It wasn't a white sin. It was my sin. It was an individual sin, something that I committed. And so for me to confess to something that someone else did when I didn't do it. Based on group identity. Based on group identity. That is, that's antithetical to the scriptures. It just does not, it does not fit into the gospel message. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that like, Folks like Greenway or Moeller or any of these other guys are like critical race theorists or anything like that, or or intentionally trying to espouse these these uh, ungodly doctrines. I think that it's just it, the majority of people are are not thinking clearly and thinking carefully, and they're wanting to to essentially play the political game mm-hmm. of. And I don't mean that necessarily in a completely negative way. I just mean that they're trying to essentially. Um, um, reflect a a a um, reflect a statement of positivity, or in a they're they're trying to reflect the statement that essentially that people well, can will will agree with and and and, and essentially um, support. Well, and, and we saw this, uh, you know, we we saw this same issue with the sexual abuse case that came out in the Houston Chronicle. And the allegations that were levied against uh, people here at Southwestern, we saw both Southwestern and the SBC rush to a particular stance, and not saying that stance was wrong by any means. We we need to uh, to affirm that that you know the the uh, abuse of women or abuse within the church is wrong. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but to in the process of potentially damage people's reputations to remove um, you know remove sections of the SBC and actually become more limber in other areas so on, 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 the, on the basis of complementarianism uh, become a little bit softer to present this image to the world that hey look we're, we're up with you we understand exactly what's going on and look how we take care of our women or look how we take care of these people in our in our church or at, my, or at our seminary that was once again a, a knee-jerk reaction by the SBC by the SBC, SBC executive committees and by our seminaries. And I think it's wrong. We need to sit back, we need to see, they need to see, where's this going? How can we respond to this biblically? Really follow scripture where it says we need to be slow um, or quick to listen, slow to yeah. anger. And, and let's take our time and, and let's look at what's being said. Because if you look at it, I, I don't think anyone, including you know the church I'm currently attending, really thinks that all white people should lament over what's going on. I hope they don't. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that um, the only reason we should, I mean, we're, we're having, the only reason we're having this conversation is because this is such a nationwide 
uh, conversation. And I would say from the outset that we need to reject as Christians the premise that 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 our reaction should be essentially okay. Yeah, I'm going to mourn and and um, be upset at how black people are treated based on this one situation. Mm-hmm. Now, however, mm-hmm. if it is demonstrated that there is some type of, uh, not, not just a pattern, but a, 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 a verifiable, quantifiable evidence yeah. that black people are being discriminated against and killed and shot in the streets. Mm-hmm. And like LeBron James said yeah. you know, in his tweet, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, Black people are being hunted down in the streets. Yeah. He's saying, we're all hunted down in the streets. Well, you have to back that up with some hard evidence. Yeah. Yeah. And I go back to um, there is not enough evidence um, to to say that there is a problem in the police force, police force mm-hmm. in uh, discriminating against. And you know, someone like Tony Evans, who came out with a video a while back, mm-hmm. um, a few weeks ago, I guess, and basically his definition of systemic racism was racism that is and he does acknowledge a, a biblical view of racism he mm-hmm. does talk about what it is mm-hmm. and that's and that's true what he what he said but then he says that systemic racism is when those when racism is is steeped into the systems and embedded within the systems of America well what does that even mean what does it even mean to so give me some examples if you want to say jim crow yes yes absolutely. you want to say, you want to, uh, slavery yes, yes. Mm-hmm. but if you want to say mass incarceration and say that that is systemic racism mm-hmm. well then it has to be mass incarceration has to be essentially a something that is a policy or it's something that's happening that is intentionally or even unintentionally discriminating against yeah. black spe- black people but there is no evidence that it's actually happening but mm-hmm. they'll turn to disparities they'll say there are more black people yep. uh, uh, per capita in the uh, prison population but I go back to this mm-hmm. the same statement disparity does not prove mm-hmm. discrimination right. or racial disparity does yeah. not prove Racism here, right. or systemic racism. Yeah, right. You have to provide the evidence that the that the the law. There's a law, or there is some type of action being taken by our government yeah. to intentionally bring black people into this into the prison system. Well, if you don't mind, can I go back real fast? So you said LeBron James said that he was being hunted down the streets. And yeah, I agree with him 100. percent No, and I really do. Uh, let's just say on Memorial Day 2020 in Chicago alone, 10 African-Americans were killed in drive-by shootings. Another 80 this past weekend in the Wall Street Journal uh, reported that another 80 were shot in drive-by shootings, 21 fatally, some of which were children. Yeah. Almost all blacks killed by black people. So yeah, they're being hunted down in the street, but what they're being hunted down by is not the police. It's being hunted down by violence within their own community. And, and we, we know that, you know, and I know that you've done statistics in, in the past, but we know that out of all the shootings that occur, we know that about 1% of those are African-Americans. Uh, excuse me, about a quarter of those, I, I apologize. You're talking about police shootings? Yeah, police shootings. Unarmed police shootings. 25% of those are African-Americans. Yeah. Well, um, I know in 2019 there was nine unarmed black people that were, yes. were killed, and they, they were all unarmed. Now, a few of them, I think, were apparently um justifiable but even even if all nine were mm-hmm. like unjust mm-hmm. let's just say they all were unjust uh-huh. to me like you know is that really that big of an issue or are black people really being hunted and, and down that, the streets and by that's co- the white cops yeah that's the one percent so out of all the the black people who were killed by violence in the united states 
the nine represented the 0.1 percent okay. of, of those gotcha. killed. And, and, and to, to clarify, in, in that um, uh, what was that 2019, the nine unarmed blacks. We also have to say that there were also 19 unarmed whites. Yeah, they were, were killed yeah. by police in 2019, which is also not being reported on. And once again, where's the church's grievances? Uh, and, and mourning with those particular families yeah. we're, we're having this yeah year. and it and many would say that that's because there is a particular issue in the black community in, in terms of uh, the, the black community is being targeted by you know white people and, and cops and justice system and I would say again it's not proven yet I'm waiting for the evidence it's, it hasn't well, arrived yet well and that's why I presented what I just presented now this is Wall Street Journal Wall Street Journal is Probably as liberal as you could possibly get in some of it. They're reporting. actually pretty conservative. I feel like. Uh, it depends, I mean, fairly. It depends, who, it depends on who you're talking to. They're, they're, they're con- a lot more conservative than say um, the New York the, Times. The New York Times, yeah. for sure. So, but but I mean, this is still a newspaper. It's still media, and yeah. and, and they're reporting this. And, and what what I'm trying to show here is that what we're seeing in evidence, something that's that, that we can actually say, hey, we have the evidence of this going on, actually points against systemic racism not for yeah there's a lot of evidence that that there isn't systemic racism i would say now i'm not going to make a statement that it for sure does not exist there's no way no i'm going to say i don't have any evidence that it does exist so based on that when Mm -hmm. we talk about our definition of racism my definition has to come from scripture it's Mm -hmm. not from the culture it's not what the culture says i don't view society in terms of oppressed and oppressors i view people as individuals that do exist within um certain groups Mm -hmm. but but Unless there is evidence brought to me that 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 particular group is being discriminated against, like in the case of Jim Crow or yeah, slavery exactly. or or even redlining, if you yeah. want to go there, I, I unless that it, that is the case and is brought to me, I I cannot treat them in terms of a group identity right. unless someone is specifically, for example, say someone is uh, like in Jasper, for example, mm-hmm. there were there was a was there a black man I believe he was murdered. Yeah, uh, Jamesburg um, Jr. was drugged behind pickup truck right yeah, yeah. I a, think I was... and a horrible murder by three men who are self well all two of the three were self-proclaimed white supremacist yeah so i mean in that one that was clear evidence that this was potentially a racially motivated very very yeah. likely and yeah. I, i'm i'm if if something like that happened and you know people would ask is this racially was this a racism yes yeah. absolutely but say for example let's go back to the george floyd say mm-hmm. for example that was let's say for example the cop did mm-hmm. kill him because of racism yeah. to me how is that how does that prove how does that individual's case prove systemic racism in mm-hmm. what way does it yeah. and again i go back to you have to assume group identity you have to yeah. view the situation yeah. via group identity yeah. oppressed oppressors right. rather than individuals well, and, and to have and hold on to that set, that that worldview once again is is contrary to scripture we know that we find our identity in christ and in christ alone right we know that there is no more slave or master or male or female or gentile mm-hmm. or jew at the feet of the cross now, I do want to clarify, because that, that has been used as a basis of, well, see, we need to all be on a level playing field. No, if you, if you clearly read Colossians, uh, what is it, Colossians, I was just reading my own private Bible reading today. Um, well, I don't know where it's at now. I think it was Colossians chapter 4, I think. 3. Colossians chapter 3, 22 through uh, 4, 1. You, you see it laid out there again that masters treat your slaves well, and slaves... Treat your masters well if they are brothers in Christ. 
Christ did not come to abolish societal structures. We still see through the whole entire New Testament, and we saw in the Old Testament, that there are still cultures that are more superior than others. You look at the Jews under the Babylonian control. Um, uh, you see that there are still masters, and you still see that there are slaves. You still see that there's the Roman Empire in the time of Christ. He didn't rebel against the Roman Empire. Matter of fact, he left them alone. A lot of his followers were upset that he didn't rebel uh, and take control uh, and take that power back from the oppressor. And you don't see it. You don't see in Scripture that Christ came to abolish our societal structures. What he did come to do was to abolish our, 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 our identity with Satan and our identity with the world and to unite us as a family into himself. And we can only do that if we recognize that was his purpose. So going off of that, you know, I, I think I go back to this passage in James where we see that we don't see a call for, you know, we don't see a call for the poor and the rich people to identify still as poor and rich in the sense of like, oh, you're, you're still that poor guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you get, you, because you're poor and not rich, the rich person has to repent. Right. Um, because you are in two different groups and, and obviously the rich are going to be oppressing the poor. Right. They have more power. They have, I mean, obviously there is no, absolutely no um, encouragement from from anyone, from Paul or from James or from anyone else, yeah. to call these groups uh-huh. to repent yeah. of there's their. No, there's no corporate confession yeah. there whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. There's no. There's none of that, and there's no. There's no assumption that this identity based on their 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 class mm-hmm. is going to continue in this and be recognized in that sense. Obviously these people do go back to their lives. Yes. They leave the church, the local gathering, but they'll they'll go back to their their homes of unified in Christ, still living in their their particular life situation. Yeah. And so when I when when we talk about today like as white people we have to lament and 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 do all of those things. That's a completely different um, response that that we see in, in scripture and, and it really comes down to a gospel issue was was christ atoning work sufficient to cover the sins if i'm racist and i repent then is he sufficient to cover that or do i have to be lumped in with all these other people and i have to continue to lament i continue have to to make uh, uh strides towards something i'm not dealing with or was he sufficient? Was he sufficient to cover it all? And I really do think that if, if the churches, which they are, a lot of them are, calling people to lament, uh, whites to lament, or to confess their privilege, or whatever the case may be. Or to wash their black people's feet or something yeah, like that. I mean, and, and or what, shine shoes or whatever. You know, whatever the case may be. I mean, what we're, what we're doing is saying, hey, Christ covered all of your sins, and even though you don't feel like you're racist, you really are. But he didn't cover that one, so you have to do something in order to to, to get rid of it. Yeah. No, that's, they, that's totally... The assumption the here in Scripture is that you're reconciled with your brothers yeah. and sisters already. That's right. It doesn't matter what your your ancestors did or mm-hmm. what... You, I mean, these people lived together uh-huh. and worshipped together. Uh-huh. For example, the Jews and Gentiles, they went to church... For example, in Ephesus, there mm-hmm. were Jews and Gentiles in that that's church. Right. Yeah. Now, did Paul say, hey... Um, Jews, you need to start repenting, mm-hmm. or Gentiles, you need to start repenting yeah. uh, of, of 
on the basis of, of being a Jew or a Gentile. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't. They didn't talk like that. that yeah. There was none of that going on. They worshipped together. They didn't worry about all those things. And so, and and it wasn't their answer. It was them. And it's it not, was them. It, it's not. And it's not that they dropped who they were as people. Yeah. I mean, right. they still were. You know, as long as it wasn't a sinful thing that they were involved with, like prostitution as a job or, or whatever. Right. Right. Be. Uh, they still remain doing exactly what they did, but they came together under one identity, which the, is the identity in Christ, not as a Jew any longer, not as a Gentile any yeah. longer, but as as Christ, uh, as children in Christ. So. Right. Um, I heard um, there was a, a a friend of mine who told me of a, a um, told me of a, a person that he knows that is a is a Southern Baptist guy. He's he is employed at a Southern Baptist uh, seminary, and he's viewed as a very solid brother. And mm-hmm. I'm sure he is in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, but he, the, him and this friend of mine talked about racism, and, and he even told him mm-hmm. the definition of racism is um, is essentially um, white people. It's not, it's not a, 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 a... Racism is not one individual being... Mm-hmm. Um, prejudice against another person because of their skin color. It is uh, the existence of whiteness mm-hmm. in 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 the structure of of white identity mm-hmm. in this structure of whiteness um, existing within that the power dynamics between yeah. whites and blacks. So this and this is a and people will will say you're just talking about critical race theory, Jared, but you're ignoring these mm-hmm. racial issues here. Mm-hmm. And 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 basically, I'm using critical race theory as kind of like a like, like trying to, yeah. um, I'm using this as I'm I'm, I'm ba- basically um, committing alarmism. I'm yeah. just freaking out. Over, yeah. Well, that's called gaslighting. Yeah. You're you're essentially saying, oh, like oh, this doesn't really exist, Jared. You're crazy. Okay, this does not really exist yeah. at all. And the thing is, like, it does exist because many of our Southern Baptist leaders, including the person I just referenced, uh-huh. I'm not gonna say this brother's name, yeah. but he. They're saying this. Well, and, 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 you know, I had a conversation um, uh, actually set through a chapel uh, back in the early spring before COVID hit. And there was a particular professor that got up and spoke and actually mentioned critical race theory in his uh, message. And then uh, no matter your views on Martin Luther King, uh, you know, obviously we know that he had some unorthodox views. Matter of fact, I would say that his views would push him outside the realm of even being Christian. Uh, and we know that he, um, it's come out that he was an adulterer and so on and so forth. So, so the man was not necessarily great, but he was praised, uh, by this man here at Southwestern, the professor for in the 1960s, being able to go preach at Southern Seminary, and he said, "Wow, what a what an achievement it was that Martin Luther King was able to come preach at Southern Seminary." The problem with that is, is that the reason that they wanted Martin Luther King to come preach at Southern Seminary was not because he was Christian. It wasn't that he was a good uh, a good Bible scholar. It was because he was black. And matter of fact. I can argue that they should have never let him step into the pulpit at Southern Seminary or any other gospel-centered church. Yeah, I don't know what the information Southern had at the time over. I mean, that if they knew about that, then absolutely, this unorthodox views. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm not sure what all you know. Well, at it, what point it, they it, knew it, about. And the point of the point of what I'm saying here is not that I'm blaming Southern back in the day. I'm I'm, I'm talking about the attitude of a of a current professor here at Southwestern 
who is uh, promoting this and, and championing, like, hey, look what we did back in the 1960s. We allowed for Martin Luther King to come and preach at Southern Seminary. Well, regardless of what you knew back then, we know now that he probably should have never stepped right. foot in there. So, we, so should therefore be... we shouldn't be championing and, and pushing this. I mean, what are we teaching young seminarians? What are we teaching future, future pastors is that, hey, you just let anybody in your pulpit just because it's the social norm. Or because or it's um, it's the it's the nice thing to do yeah. to celebrate um, to, to celebrate whatever it um, is you're blackness or to celebrate that that racism is is here's the thing I hear this from a lot of um, like a lot of, 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 of well-intentioned people they'll say that you know um, racism is bad and it, it's horrible it's terrible and, and 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 Christians need to speak out against that. And I agree that racism is a sin, and should we speak out against it? It doesn't. It depends on what you mean. It's like asking me, should I be speaking out against sexual abuse? Well, yeah, if it's if if it's relevant to the conversation. If someone, if 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 there there's an issue in a church with sexual abuse or racism or anything like that, absolutely, that needs to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. But to say that, like, I have to stand on the rooftops saying, yelling, screaming at the sky. Racism is bad. It just mm. to me that that um, that um, people asking other people to do that just seems like you are, are virtue signaling. Yeah. And what I mean by that is you are essentially saying what you're saying to be viewed as nice, mm-hmm. as a good person. That's right. And that is the, a lot of the conversations oh, that absolutely. I'm seeing now. I know some people like you're again. You're just you're trying to ignore what's going on. Um, based off of this made-up issue of virtue signaling. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, is again, I go back to who is saying racism is okay? Mm-hmm. Who is being racist in the SBC? Who is being racist at such and such? Yeah. Like, where is this huge problem at of racism? Mm-hmm. Is there a huge issue? I, do I believe racism is exists? Yes, but is it an issue to the degree that's being mentioned? And I would say no. And I would almost, I would almost argue with you. And you know, I know I've been saying that racism throughout this this podcast that racism exists. But uh, just sitting here, does it, or is it just really a violation of that that verse in First John chapter two? You just hate your brother. It doesn't matter the color of the skin. If I hate Jared, if I hated you right now, I'm violating that. And race is such a social construct that. The Bible doesn't address it. What it does address is the intentions of your heart towards a, yeah. another person, and so racism being this this um, um, hatred towards someone because of the color of their skin is actually just First John chapter two. Well, I would say that it, it does exist because there are certain people that treat other people based on their skin color. That's that, where their hatred. Yeah, that's that's the the flare of hatred that they have is because of that. But it's still. Like we spoke earlier, it's still a heart issue. A hatred. Yes, it, right, right, right. But right. but the reason the reasoning is mm-hmm. the reason why they hate them is because of of their okay. skin color. Okay. So I would still say that I would I'm fine with categorizing that as racism and and saying that and saying that's a sin. Mm-hmm. I'm just you know I I the thing is is we I think we jump to pointing out if something is racist. You know, for example, a lot of black people say they're pulled over by cops, uh-huh. white cops, all the time, and it's over something seemingly insignificant or for no reason at all. Yeah. And um, while I do think that it's a possibility that that, there are, that, that happens more often mm-hmm. than white people, yeah. I, I would also say, how do you know that the white cop pulled you over because of your skin color? 
Like, how do well, you know that? Like, that's and that goes to what Bodie Bauckham said in the sermon on ethnic Gnosticism. Um, I'll give him a lot of plugs for that one because I really think that's a great sermon. It's a good one. It uh, is. But yeah, you know, on his sermon in ethnic Gnosticism, it, it, there's this, there's Gnosticism is this hidden knowledge, and, and that's essentially what black people are saying are these champions of hey, the systemic racism is white people don't know what they don't know, and black people do know uh, that you know, whatever action is racist. So in the instance you just gave, this white cop pulls over a black person, but the black, the, the white cop may not have any racist tendencies in his mind. He's not thinking he's pulling over because he's black, but it's still racist because the black person can identify racism because the white person is pulling or over. Or he doesn't even have to be, he, the white cop doesn't even have to be intentionally racist. He, it's just yep. racist based on his skin color being white. And that's another issue that's, yep. Uh, you're, you're viewing these situations in terms of critical race theory when you begin to do that. Yeah. I've, I've had a conversation with someone on, on Facebook uh, months ago where they basically said it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if those guys that, that shot and killed Ahmad Arbery, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if, if they intentionally killed him because of his race. Mm-hmm. Like, it just matters. Like, it's... It still exists. Like it's yeah. it, it, racism still exists, and therefore it's still racism by virtue of their skin color. And yeah. again, I go back to that's not a biblical way yeah. of viewing these situations. A biblical view of these situations to understand the definition that of of racism based on James two. Yeah, you know exactly. that sin of partiality. And if we ignore that, then we'll begin to we'll allow for all these other ungodly worldviews to influence our, our thought process. Well, and I wanted to ask you, uh, you and I talked before this podcast and you mentioned something about Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And I, right. I, th- I think that this, and we, we can talk about, you know, as much as you want about the, the institution or the you know, hashtag I know you mentioned, but um, uh, once again, J.D. Greer and his uh, address to the SBC uh, encouraged SBC, um, our, our Baptist people not to quote all lives matter uh, but to instead use black lives matter and he said it's a gospel issue that black lives matter and that's a true statement and I too agree with I agree clear yeah. that is a true statement black lives matter and guess what all lives matter too but I agree all with lives matter and for you to down one to elevate the other is once again Violating James chapter well, two. Well, and, and here's what they would say, and this is where I go. I, I've said this on the podcast briefly before, but but folks like JD Greer that says that say we shouldn't say all lives matter because what there's the reason why, and I understand the reason, but I disagree, and this is why mm-hmm. they will say it's because there's a particular issue mm-hmm. with within within the black community right. in terms of discrimination against them right. from police officers. Yes. So we must we must say these things. To highlight that issue. Now, that reasoning does make sense if mm-hmm. there is an actual issue going on, and so that's why I don't say it. I don't say ever say all lives matter in mm-hmm. response. Wait, for example, if you come in here, Jared, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. You know, my response is not going to be, well, you know what, Chad, all lives matter, yeah. well, because that's not a helpful response because it doesn't address the actual issue. But the biblical response, Jared. Is that all lives? No, that, the, no, it, right. it's true. And, but JD Greer would agree with you on that. Yes, yeah. but to, but once again, to tell a whole entire convention that they should not use that that hashtag or they should not say that. I understand he is speaking like you just said. It's he does he he's looking at it in the context we should not be saying all lives matter in response to Black Lives. That's matter. yeah right. 
But unfortunately, that's not how it's playing out in the churches, and that's not how it's playing out in society. What it's playing out in society, as we saw with some of the evidence I showed you with J.D. Greer's on uh, podcast or um, uh, statements, is that blue lives, if you want to call them that, police officer lives, are being completely ignored and their families are being ignored, while one group is being elevated above the other. That's, that's, that's showing partiality. And only way that we can begin to heal this division is not to continue to point out one particular group and say their lives matter, but to come together and say, we as Christians know that your life matters. And we also know that this other person's life matters. It, and, that, and this other person's it, life It might be, and so going to the center uh, conversation about this situation, yeah. I, the reason why I don't believe it's helpful to say Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. The reason why is because, number one, I reject the assumption, the mm-hmm. presupposition that make people make, which is there is an a, a issue, you know, with it within our system of mm-hmm. discriminating against black people. Right. I reject that right. that that claim, or at least I don't see any evidence for that right. yet. So I can't hold on to that assumption right. with you. Now. When people say Black Lives Matter, they say they're not connected to the actual group, Black yes. Lives Matter. Yeah. Okay, I accept that. That's fine. You don't. I, I'm not going to say you identify with them. Right. You know, if someone says that, I'm not going to say, oh, you must be identifying with the Black Lives Matter movement, which is the, the official page. If you read the page, it is not um, by any means a Christian organization. It's right. very ungodly. Yeah. And people recognize that even... The, the people that are saying Black Lives Matter. However, when you say Black Lives Matter, it is giving credence to that organization. And Absolutely. this is why. It's like saying, if I say, make America great again, mm-hmm. you know, that's a true statement. Every, I mean, in a sense, people want to make America great again. Yeah. Like that, I mean, that's an obvious statement. We all want to make but you're it. automatically identify with a particular group. You're, you're, yeah. I'm identifying myself with Trump, yeah, um, and his ideas and all those things. I mean, because we, of that, right? And we can see people who have wore T-shirts and hats, make America great again, and have had violence against them because of their affiliation, supposed affiliation, with Trump and his supporters. Just because you wear a hat or just because you say a statement does not mean that you identify with those people. And, and there's been people who have been, uh, you know, they they got a shirt as a, as a, as a joke. As a matter of fact, I actually bought you a hat as a joke. If you don't, for your please name. don't tell anyone that. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, so, you know, people, people wear it around and might not identify with the ideology, but... Because they're they're carrying it around, they're given a, a a particular label and they're identifying with a particular group. Yeah, and it doesn't mean you agree with everything that they teach, maybe, but right. you agree with the you're you're representing that right. group yeah. um, in the in a sense. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so, and that's where I believe group identity is correct because you're literally giving credence to a particular group, and that's why I say. Don't don't share the hashtag Black Lives Matter. Don't wear shirts that say Black Lives Matter. You know, we, instead we should say every person is made in the image of God and yes. is worthy of fair treatment under the law, and in 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 general in in a sense. So so when we we go out into society, we are to treat everyone yeah. um, equally and fairly, yeah. and to not show partiality, right. like James two says. Right. And so that's why I don't say Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't say all lives matter. That's why I don't use any of these hashtags because I believe we can be, as Christians, more nuanced in our position. Mm-hmm. And um, I, that's why I reject that entire hashtag. I'm not, I'm not going to say it. And I, don't, I, I believe any Christian that, that uses it is unwise and um, they need to rethink that.
I, and I agree with you. I think that anybody who uh, identifies whether they wear a shirt, whether they put a sign in their front yard, or they use a hashtag Black Lives Matter, they have to be aware of the um, the perception that other people have when they see that. It also drives people towards a particular ideology. It also, going back to James 2, it causes division. Now look, our society, we need to know that our society, are not, we're not gonna get over all these issues. We're, we're not. Uh, people are sinful. We will always have sin. We will always have these major issues going on. But we do know that our hope is not in the world structures as, as Christian followers, right, in, in right. Christ followers. We are to believe in the future hope. Um, you know, I, I think a, a beautiful image is right there at the end of Revelation uh, where you see every tongue, tribe, and nation gathered right. around the throne. We as Christians need to look at every person, black, white, Hispanic, whether they wear a police uniform or a soldier uniform, and we need to, what you, exactly what you said, we need to see them as image bearers of Christ. Uh, we need to see them as uh, people who God believes they have dignity and worth, and we need to treat them as such. We need to love them as Christ has first loved us. And um, to do anything else, um, to, to start identifying yourself with all white and say white people are better than black or black people are better than white. Yeah. That, that, that mentality is not helpful and it should not yeah. belong to church. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, I think this conversation, I think we're, we're about uh, wrapped up here just because, I mean, I think we've probably exhausted pretty much, <laughs> you know, now I, I'm going to try to, I'm trying to um, get a particular guest on to talk about critical race theory soon. We'll see if that works out. Um, I do want to continue the conversation about this because I do believe critical race theory is creeping into the church and into the SBC and evangelicalism. Again, if you question that, okay, um, you can either message me and we'll talk about it or look for yourself on uh, look up Neil Shinvey, look up his resources there. He has great resources about that, um, and he gives examples of that. Um, and I would say I haven't seen really any good responses to this claim that's being made and, and the proof that's been given by men like him and, and other folks too. So um, I, and my, my heart is not to say that anyone that claims to, um, like you would claim to agree with the sentiment behind Black Lives Matter or you believe systemic racism exists or anything like that. If that's the case, I'm not saying you are a critical race theorist. Um, I'm simply saying that I think you need to revisit the evidence and you possibly are viewing a lot of these things through the lens of critical race theory. Um, but again, I want to be clear, I don't believe like systemic racism, the idea of it comes from critical race theory. Like, yeah. I believe like systemic racism can possibly exist, mm -hmm. and it could without viewing these things through the lens of critical race theory. I just don't believe it does necessarily exist today. And if you, the only way we can make that claim mm -hmm. is viewing our uh, culture and our, our society through that lens. Um, so, but anyway, racism is a sin, okay? Remember that. Don't forget that. <laughs> but so is partiality. So don't forget that. Well, I mean, that's what, yeah. what I'm referring yeah. to. Don't, yeah. I mean, treating people differently based on their skin color is um, racism and it's set of partiality. Now, mm -hmm. here's the thing. People are now saying that we do need to be racist mm -hmm. against white people to elevate the black people up to the level of the white people um, in status um, and to 
make all things equal. Now, what they're wanting though is equality of outcome. Yeah. Not and and what I believe as Christians we need to say, we don't need to be seeking after a quality of outcome. Mm-hmm. We need to be seeking after a quality of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And right. so, um, but anyway, well, um, Chad, you got anything else to say that you know you want to mention before we we close? No, I did not forget to tell you uh, about the systemic racism that I believe is going on, but that's for another podcast. I won't bring you, that up. You I, could if you wanted to. I mean, it's up to you. Well, I mean, I, I just, okay, I'll go ahead and bring it up since I talked about it at the beginning that I was going to tell you. Uh, if, if systemic racism occurs uh, today, we have to be very um, aware of what's going on. Uh, affirmative action which is the, uh, it was instituted by the government many, many years ago. Uh, the, the, the whole system is designed to supposedly allow for um, minorities to enter into institutions. However, uh, that has been at the behest um, and, and you know, it really caused problems with um, people who are not in the minority. So if, if, the, if a system is rigged towards a particular race, I would say today, I would say that it's not rigged towards um, uh, the benefit of white people, but rather for uh, minority students. And so I may affirm affirmative action, and I can see some of its benefits, especially in the earlier days of affirmative action, uh, but I also see a lot of its problems. And so uh, if if systemic racism actually does still exist, I think we can make a case that it also exists for minorities and against uh, white white people. White people. And um, I know that's that would be argued against as well as that that's not possible. But just something to think about as, you, right. as we close out. Right. All right, guys. Well, thank y'all for tuning into this hot topic issue uh, topic um, that we've discussed today. Thank you, Chad, for coming on the podcast again. I uh, hope to have you back soon. Um, and um, but anyway, guys, thank y'all again. Hope you have a great week. God bless.